Geek Shock. Geek Shock. Why should we do something nice? Let's quit now, that's my advice. We can't do anything by working with each other. Grease the, the back walls and the floor, and you're just like... Pink champagne on ah, this. Okay. That's nice. <laughs> There's no mirrors on the ceiling, though. They're all prisoners there. <laughs> Although there were mirrors on the ceiling in the uh, the suite that Todd and I stayed at one year at the trial. Hello. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. Right. That was pretty. Yeah. I just totally thought about that. We're recording, about right? That for we want to know about this. this Geek Shop number one thirty-five. I am Master Torgo. Uh, 80s Jeff. <laughs> Commander K. And just Michael. God. You don't have to elaborate on that. <laughs> oh, Keep special oh, moments Mike, to yourselves. No, no, no. Keep we, the special moments to we, yourselves. We, we, we don't need to know. No, we, I think our viewers need to. <laughs> our viewers? Yes. Need to. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm, I just going to see how you dig out of it. Go ahead. No, no. I, I, I've got nothing I, but but nice things to say about it. <laughs> oh, uh, God. Gentle. Nothing but nice what things to say. What can I say? I'm a gentle so, lover. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, uh, one year, this is before I, I moved out, long before I moved out here, uh, Todd's dad surprised us. Um, I was out here visiting. We were staying in um, the, the condo that your parents had just recently purchased. Right. And he uh, surprised Todd and I with a uh, little, I don't know if you'd even call it a gift, but he just said that um, I'm thinking about taking the boys over to the Tropicana and uh, putting them up in a hotel room for the weekend. When Just, Dad came out, he stayed a lot at uh, the Tropicana Hotel, played a yeah. lot, so he amassed a lot of points. And a lot got of a points. Lot of he, got yeah. he got that, that, that slot player influence. This is before they, the card days. They the knew right everybody now. there knew him. I mean, yeah. I'm not kidding you. I mean, this, this is what I was greeted the very first time I came out here. We're walking into the hotel. I had never been to Vegas before. We're walking into the Tropicana. Every single person that passed by is like, hello, Mr. Bristow. Nice to see you again. Blah, blah, blah. Mr. Bristow, good to see you. I, just random people. That's some, that's that's, some baller stuff that's, right there. Yeah. That's classic Vegas for you. I mean, this you know doesn't happen a lot today unless you're you're like a whale. You know, you're like somebody that comes in and spends two or three million dollars a day. But anyway, regardless, you know. So his dad uh, tells us, you know, he's going to put us up in the Tropicana. And we're like, oh, okay. We're thinking just, you know, standard room. We get there and it's like a mini suite. It's like on the corner of one of the towers. It and was pretty darn cool. It had a little uh, had a little wet bar that we actually went and bought soda and put in the in the refrigerator, <laughs> which we thought for us was like the coolest thing ever. Well, how like, old were we? Really? Yeah, we're like fourteen, yeah. fifteen, yeah. I think. Uh, so we had the, we had the wet bar. They had the ice, so we got to enjoy our soda cold and. And it had a living room with two really nice sofas in front of the TV, and then it had, uh, it had like a little bar too in it, yeah, didn't it? Like little, yeah. like a little wet bar. And then, uh, and then there was a you know a bedroom with its own bathroom, and I think there, there was a bathroom in the main room too, if I recall. So I mean, it was all really neat. But in, we're, we're going in there, and we go into the bedroom, and there's this huge giant i had to have been like bigger than a california king i mean maybe yeah, it was just it was our a size monster monster bed. monster bed i mean like you know and i i sat down on the bed and i look up and i'm like dude there are mirrors on the ceiling of this room nasty and it wasn't Dirty. like it wasn't like uh, <laughs> awesome. like one of those dome beds that's got like the little um the the posts that the canopy. have a canopy yeah. yes thank you i couldn't think of what i was trying to a canopy bed no, the the mirrors were physically glued to the ceiling of this <laughs> yeah. room. 
So nice. anyway, that that was my first experience with that. <laughs> I can tell you right now, Paul is so sad. He missed this particular. Is like, Why am I not there? Oh. I, I have to applaud your father's open-mindedness, and he obviously yeah, knew something about you too that <laughs> you guys are still uh, obviously wrestling with. That's that's only the first time we've had to share a bed. Though. I mean, <laughs> Comic Con was the second. And, oh, okay. Yeah. It doesn't get better, does it? <laughs> No, I wish I could get away with my girlfriend more. I, I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just have these it's great very moments. sweet, you know. Well, yeah. the interesting thing about that bed at the at the, the Tropicana. <laughs> this is how the Did room Did it vibrate? You put it in a quarter oh, and it was like. No, it was like, it, it was so giant. Like, I'm all the way over my side, outside of the bed, could totally stretch out. And he's all the way on the other side. And we, it, you couldn't. You, you reached out for each other and your hands wouldn't even move. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You got it. <laughs> Uh, Todd's just, head just like shrunk down on his shoulders, uh, like three levels there. He's just yeah. like, oh. uh, there, there are a couple I, body parts yeah. shrinking in this story. Yeah, I, I, I right now look like you look in the middle at, of a regular podcast. In the middle of a regular Paul. podcast. <laughs> it's because I'm the buffer between Paul. I'm like, you guys just encourage him, and I'm just going, why are they encouraging him? Paul is funniest when he inflicts pain on people. And mm-hmm. there yeah, you go. He, oh, so, yeah. so you're saying that I'm the target for the pain all the time, and that's that's what you're actually laughing at? Well, Without well, your well Barry's no longer goal. here, so yes. Yeah, yeah. You, okay. you, you, you bring out the comedy. No, we're not laughing at you, <laughs> yes, we Jeff. Are. We're laughing with you. Right. <laughs> So what geeky things to do this week, guys? Saw John Carter. Oh, Yay. and here's the moment. There I enjoyed go. it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I would put it on a high positive on the Glappy scale. Yeah, it, he, uh, sent, oh. he sent me a text saying it was on the on the more positive side of Glappy for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it it, it they, there were some deviations from the Burroughs books, but uh, overall, I felt it was a very good movie. I was very sad that it. You know, performed like it did. It performed um, as expected, really. Uh, actually, no, a little better than expected. It actually, yes, a little better, uh, which is not saying a lot right. because they're expected twenty-five did thirty, I think. Twenty-five, and they got thirty. So, and and it's performing stronger overseas than they expected too. But that's uh, I, the the formula for. for for those budgets, I believe for a two hundred fifty million budget is something like it has to gross six hundred million or something to be considered profitable. Yeah. So, yeah. In the Hollywood Economist, they were saying that the, you know, box office draw doesn't affect the studios yeah. at all because they've already made their money by the time it's released to the theaters. But in order for a film to be considered, just like you were saying, quote unquote, successful, it has to amass at least twice yeah. what they what the what the actual film's budget yeah. was. And it's it's I mean it's not gonna it's not gonna get there, but uh, it was enjoy enjoyable. Uh, it was an entertaining movie. I liked it. I uh, I wish there would be more. Uh, don't think that there will be, uh, but um, there you are. I also saw it. I enjoyed it. Um, there was definitely that sense that it's a Disney film. Yes. There's there's just some moments where you kind of feel like they went a little sillier, a little more, uh, uh, not quite song and dancey, but almost. Like if they'd taken a little further, they'd be dancing around Mars. They didn't do that. Yeah. But, th- but there were moments they there, could There were some moments where they could have, and, and, and they got dangerously close to it. So. Um, 
I'm not familiar. Like, I, I didn't read the stories. Um, and I, I, I know I've seen some art from it. But as far as visually, um, how'd, how'd you like how it looked? Just oh, I, I liked it visually. I liked it visually. Uh, Burroughs was... Um, he was an interesting individual who pulled from a lot of different movements of the day of the very early 20th century. And one of them, I guess, was nudism. Because in the Mars books, everyone's buck naked. Okay. Uh, except for their, the, the, the term is harness, which is what you, know, you hang your swords off of. But uh, otherwise, generally, you tend to be naked. Some you, you think in a world with swords, you'd want some armor. Yeah, and uh, no, they were they were very uh, very. Uh, I no, I wouldn't call it chivalrous, but uh, they they preferred to fight light. Ah. So, but yeah. Matter of honor. I I guess sort of. There was one thing in because the, they have uh, in the in the books and in the movies they have like radium pistols, pistols that shoot little radium shells that explode and. And uh, in the books, the whole Martian code of honor is you never draw a weapon more powerful than your opponent drew against you. So if they come at you with a sword and you've got a pistol, you've got to get a sword to fight them and so on and so forth. And so there is that kind of, you know, little honor thing. Of course, they didn't address that in the movie at all. But It'd be cool if they did. So, I like that concept. Yeah. You think maybe the, the nudism was um, related to, like, ancient Greek uh, warriors where they, they typically didn't wear armor but they wore like very minimal clothing to um, to improve speed well, and I, I think there was i think a lot of it was just general there were a lot of those early 20th century movements like theosophy which uh it looks like he drew heavily on although burroughs scholars argue about that <clears throat> um, they they did a lot of referencing ancient cultures, particularly like sure. you know what Atlantis should have been and all that stuff. And a lot of that is influenced by various Greek uh, cultural affectations. So it could be something tangentially, but um, I was thinking about yeah, you know yeah. I, obviously Hollywood stylized, but the the outfits the warriors wore in three hundred um, more an extreme Hollywood version, but. If you look at like some of the programs on the History Channel, where they look back and they've actually found uh, remnants uh, yeah. or or pictures, that you know it it tends to be some kind of a very minimalistic it's leather very minimal, armor, so that they could they they were more interested in speed and well also and, and for the for the Greek hoplite, um, a lot of the weight was in their shield. Yeah, and so you you had your you had the hoplon, you had the helmet, and you had the greaves and the. Uh, the body armor was actually more of a layers of linen yeah. glued together than the, the actual bronze. Or awesome sculpted pecs, as Frank Miller <laughs> right. and Zack Snyder would have you believe. So. But, uh, Can't stop a, a spear if done right. That's, yeah, well. And that's got to flex the right way. That's yeah. a whole other oh, move. Oh, but boy, I enjoyed flex. it. I'm sorry it uh, didn't perform. Woola was awesome. That uh, That's the Martian dog who's very loyal to uh, John Carter. And... Uh, the movie really, I think, did justice to his portrayal. I really enjoyed that uh, that little animal character and uh, um, the portrayal of the the green tharks with their multi arms and all that stuff. And that stuff doesn't bother me anyway. So I've I've seen reviews where people were like, "Yeah, it worked better than I expected it to," and blah blah blah. And I really didn't worry about that. But 
there were cool moments in it nice airship fighting sequences yeah, and stuff that like really cool. that so and of course mark strong with his dark <laughs> menacing whisper of a voice as he menaces you throughout the whole movie menacingly <laughs> that's pretty sexy. That's pretty sexy when you do it. Menacing, menacing, men. Oh, I, I, I know a suite with some mirrors I, on the ceiling. I, I, you know what? Um, <laughs> Pink mm. champagne on ice. Oh, <laughs> now, when I came to Vegas the first time, I just got a room at the Stardust. That's what my parents rated. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I enjoyed it. I liked it. Uh, good glappy, and I'm sorry that we probably won't see another. So you were a very oh. glappy boy. That yeah, I think we need to have a movement. It has to have a good second week, something a comeback. We could do it, guys. If it had, I, you know, the whole time. <laughs> if it had legs, it'd be great. Yeah, well, the whole time I was watching it, though, I, I had Paul sitting right next to me, going, <laughs> "That looks like He Man." You know. It, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and actually, you know, you think about it, He Man. Visually, there's a, a tremendous. Uh, Burroughs influence. Those yeah, book, the, the first book, John Car uh, Princess of Mars, was written by Burroughs. It's the first thing he ever wrote. Was, it, this was before Tarzan. Tarzan was his second property, although uh -huh. his most famous. Yeah. And that was 1912. Um, and it was really funny because a lot of people brought up that it, it's the fucking centenary. Uh, I forget the actual term for the, the 100th celebration. Not centennial, but they're like the centenary or centenary. Okay. Um, and it's like the, the, the marketing didn't even go near. They stayed away from Burroughs. They stayed away from it. They, they, really, they really dropped the ball on the marketing. Well, that's, they, I, I was just going to say. Did one people um, know us from literature? I, I, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, uh, I, I get these emails uh, because we're, we, we get press emails from uh, several sites. And one of them was a... Um, a site that essentially consolidates all the reviews of a movie and it's it's very much like rotten tomatoes like gives you a a mm. certain percentage of positive and negative reviews yeah. and then it'll give you highlights of uh several of the positive and the negative reviews well a lot of the interesting things that i was reading is that a lot of the people that gave the movie a positive review were saying essentially the same thing it's like this is a a decent movie it's a, or it's a good movie you know they like the movie and they all seem to say the same thing, is that Disney really dropped the ball on the marketing of this. They and it, had they done a better job of, you know, highlighting what is this movie, what is this movie based on, mm -hmm. and even giving it a better title yeah. that might entice people in to see it, mm -hmm. that it would have done a lot better uh, this this first weekend or even the second weekend. So, uh, you know, what Michael's saying with a, you know, a second weekend... Um, some studios are looking at that now because it's that whole word of mouth thing because they spend literally billions of dollars a year advertising movies and they have still found that somebody going to see a movie and then telling five friends, hey, you should go see this movie is way more effective than all this movie, this money they spend on posters and billboards and and. And That's TV what the real commercials. Money in Hollywood, Hollywood is. I mean, yeah, right. they and advertising. Still, they yeah. still spend all this money on advertising, but they still find that it's more effective from word, word you know their mouth. own research is, is is that word of mouth. So yeah. yeah, they are paying more attention to second weekend box office numbers. So there is a possibility it could turn around, but you know, mm -hmm. who knows? Well, let us hope. Now, before we go on, I do want to talk a little bit about George. Uh, Kirsten, could you uh, you know a little bit more about what's going on with this than I do? So um, George Reith uh, was um, 
a uh, Starfleet actor at Star Trek The Experience. He was with us when we first opened, and he was with, with us almost right up until the end. He had uh, suffered a number of health issues, and uh, he was actually uh, on disability towards the end when Trek closed. And uh, George has been in Vegas for a very long time. He actually had done um, different types of uh, Vegas work before he uh, came in at Trek. And he is very ill. He's uh, been struggling with health issues, as I said, since before closing of Trek in 2008. And he is in the hospital now, Desert Springs Hospital, for people in Vegas who know Vegas. So um, I just heard that he's been moved to intermediate care. <clears throat> he actually spent some time in ICU uh, where uh, this, uh, well, I, I don't know how else to term it, the latest problem he's been having is his liver has been failing. So um, there's been a lot of outpouring of uh, feeling for George from uh, the various people in the Star Trek community. Uh, one thing that George always made an impression when you were working at Trek was his passion oh, for Star yes. Trek. He, Without a doubt. He was nuts about Star Trek. He puts... Very knowledgeable. Uh, puts us to shame with his knowledge and massively, uh, massively passionate about it. Absolutely. Um, and uh, also a rather talented individual. He, uh, he did things for the experience, uh, like uh, sculpted some of our Vulcan's ears. And uh, <clears throat> old George, uh, passionate as he was, never did anything half-assed. So literally, when he had uh, a Vulcan to, uh, to sculpt ears for, and uh, they, would, uh, they would ask him in management to do so, that, that actor would go to George's house, and George would do plaster casts of their ears, and then he would do the sculpts to make ears that fit their ears perfectly. I think he did Bajoran noses as well. Wow. I, I'm not sure if he did Klingon foreheads or if our Klingons use them or not, but he did do stuff like that. <clears throat> and um, and they were they, I liked his ears too. They, his his Vulcan ears were nice, nice classic original series Spock ears, not those little elf things that they, the nubs that I wore. Oh my lord, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so um, he uh, he. I will always remember George for his kind eyes, um, his bright smile. He had a laugh that you could hear clear across the Grand <laughs> yeah, Corridor. Um, um, <clears throat> even though his sense of humor could get a little warped. But uh, um, George was, uh, was quite the fixture at the experience. He was definitely part of, part of the environment of working at the experience. And uh, he definitely had a had an effect and touched everybody who came through the trek. So, yeah, he taught me times. to be the Vulcan that I that I was nah. without a doubt. Hundreds of times I went on that ride. I swear he was there every single time in one position or another. Oh, yeah. so yes. proud like, to always be always there. Yeah, absolutely. So proud he to was be. all over there. And Did, yes, didn't he also do a floor Vulcan as well? Like he, an ambassador. He would do. He would do uh, on uh, special occasions when we did extra characters. Mm -hmm. He would uh, do his uh, Volker, Vulcan ambassador, Sovek. Um, George right. was very lean, very angular in his look, and actually yeah. when he was done up, was fantastic looking as a Vulcan. He had his own uh, costume too, and uh, his, his ambassador robes were great. And, that was his, and, or that and, was the, I, made for him? I, I, I'm, 
I thought that those were his, but wow. I could be mistaken. I, 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 well, I, I could be mistaken, but uh, I know the makeup was his because that was his stuff that he put together. He even had a little gray wig that was cut in Vulcan style, and yeah. it was an incredibly good look. It, um, I, I one anecdote he used to tell about George. He, he's he's very, very, uh, shall we say, meticulous. Yes, and. Um, he would have his whole little makeup set up when he was doing his Vulcan thing, and it was so hilarious because he actually had like little dental tools, like dental picks for working on his makeup and, and getting everything clean, and, and he would have it all set up. And it's so funny because I'd walk through there, and I would see his makeup set up, and I would instantly flash to Marathon Man and Lawrence <laughs> Olivier going, is it safe to Dustin Hoffman? And I would actually say that to George all the time. I would, George, is it safe? And he actually didn't pick up on my reference, but it, uh, it was always very funny. That's one thing I always remember him about doing the Vulcan is that just like a dozen little tools and picks and everything right by his makeup station as he uh, prepared his makeup for his uh, floor Vulcan. So, and a fantastic look too. I think, oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think Vernon's got some pictures up there of him as Sovac. Yeah, I believe so. so. I think it's yeah. on the Star the, Trek The Star Experience Trek. Uh, Facebook page. Yes, yeah. uh, Star Trek My Experience. Uh, ah, Facebook.com forward slash Star Trek My Experience, I Star think. Star Trek is the, My Experience, I is believe, the link. is the correct. Uh, and he does page. have, yeah, lots of pictures yeah. of uh, the various four yes. characters in there. And I and, believe. And uh, George has touched enough people that even people who worked at Trek uh, years ago and left years before we close, have reached out as uh, uh, you've got something to bring up, right? Of course. Yes, uh, uh, in fact, uh, George Takai yes. has even uh, responded on Facebook about George. And so and that was really touching to read. Yeah, I spoke with uh, Vernon Wilmer earlier today, a uh, friend of the show and, and documentarian extraordinaire of Star Trek My Experience, and he told me that uh, so many people have been shocked by this they literally have had people fly in from other parts of the country just to come see george mm -hmm. uh and and drive uh one coming from missouri driving from missouri uh, another one flying in got on a plane flew in spent like three hours here and then got on a plane and flew back that's that's wow. how much right. uh people were yeah. Just they, they they had to come see him when they found out he was. And not he doing he's well. had a very rich and interesting. I don't even know the bare details. He came from the Philippines. I know that he worked with Philippine uh, television for a while. I actually met one of the people he worked with uh, when she came to visit him. She came out from L.A. with some people, and we met at the the hospital. So uh, not just here in Vegas, but uh, he's been around and he's done quite a few things. So. A very, very colorful individual, and uh, uh, just please give whatever thoughts and prayers you may have for George Reith as uh, he's in the hospital. Yeah, so all of our love to you, George. And thank you for adding to our experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to do an email here real quick, guys. This is uh, by Chris. He just wants to throw out there, love the podcasts, not into gaming or manga, but you guys are great. Found you on iTunes while looking for Trek podcasts, and I've been working my way through uh, from episode one. I'm into the 40s now. Funny to see you guys predicting stuff that's now happened. And the what's going in my mouth routine is classic. Anyway, keep up the good work. I was listening to the TrekCast podcast, but they petered out. One of them worked at the Trek Experience. Did you guys know them at all? Wondering what happened to them. Anyway, thanks for the episodes. 
Uh, do you want to touch on TrekCast at all? Uh, TrekCast is not officially dead. Unofficially, it's on hiatus. It's just mostly uh, dead. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, Darren, who I bartended with for a number of years at Quarks, uh, as part of the TrekCast, and then Dave and Alicia Ivy also as well. Um, basically... Everybody involved works such different schedules right now, and they're all, like, supremely busy, like, a lot of hours a week. They have not had the opportunity to get into their studio and do any recording, and that's all I can really uh, say to that at this point, just because I, I talk to Darren at least once, twice a week. So, um, Darren has uh, been on our show in the past. Uh, oh, yes. And... Were it not for his current he, schedule... He and Jelly are great friends. Oh, yes. <laughs> Were it not for our current schedule, uh, he has repeatedly uh, said that he would uh, love to take us up on our offer to come join us on Geek Shock um, any and every time where we record. So it's, so it's possible. You may hear him on the show. Yes. If, if, if he can get himself free. It is very possible, yes. Uh, you know, he is just a very busy man. He's also a family man. He has a young daughter, so he's, you know... A lot of his time is taken up at this point in his life, uh, and the same with Dave and Alicia. They are very, very busy people as well. So that's all I can really say to that. Well, this is—I don't want to give out the full name, but it's signed to Chris Christopher uh, National Advisory Council POC Department of Homeland Security. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, some, something something with an airport is in there too. <laughs> I don't want to go any further. Uh, yeah, it's but like, I, but uh. Man, oh. thank you for writing in. Appreciate that. Absolutely. It's like, I don't know if it's a good thing that we're on the DHS <laughs> radar or not. Yeah, really. It's, uh, we've either got an inside man uh, protecting us from our uh, uh, rebellious attitudes toward cyberwalking, or we've attracted attention. <laughs> well, with, with all the things that Paul says about China, I wonder, <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if Echelon has not picked out several of our little podcasts. <laughs> As possible national security issues. <laughs> but did you say earlier? Did you say cyberwalkie? Uh, what? Huh? I just that that when you that's what I thought you said, and that's the the coolest damn name for something. That's true. a creature. My the, goodness, the cyberwalkie. This is the month for us inventing words, isn't it? I like that though. <laughs> cyberwalkie. We'll have to uh, we'll have to TM we'll that. Put that right up next to the jabberwalkie. <laughs> yeah, and glappy. So, uh, well, you know what? News you don't give a shit about. All right. Let's it's get time to, to it. begin that. Let's, let's get it over with. <laughs> Via deadline, Michael Eisner's The uh, Torante Company will finance and produce development of a feature film based on the Garbage Pail Kids, the trading card line published by Topps. Eisner bought the card company in 2007, and this is his first feature spinoff project. Toby, I- Toby Archer is producing... P.E.S. or P.E.S. That is what he goes by. Will direct the film. The film is directed by P.E.S. P.E.S. It just it just stinks of McG. I'm just yeah. I, the, <laughs> the, the parallels are just too close. Wow. Anybody, I'm sorry. Anybody whose name is three letters is an asshole. Yeah. And, no, and that I, isn't like Bob. <laughs> you know the thing with McG, he 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 needs to stick to just producing. Because as a director, he is god-awful. He seems to... I don't know how it is. The guy is... I don't know. He's, he's just not great as a director. No, he isn't. 
But his name is Vic G. He does seem to be able to attract good projects as long as he stays in like an executive producer role. Uh, and and you know that's that's all I'm gonna really say about it. So that. what was it, was there a Cabbage Patch Kids movie? There was some kind of kids. movie. There was a garbage. There, there, was, a there was a garbage. Yeah. Okay. I, I, and right. uh, you still own that on VHS, as I recall. No, no, that was a gift to give away. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my. Uh, <laughs> my my ex girlfriend, uh-huh. that was her favorite movie of all time. Right. All right. Oh, enough said. Okay. <laughs> is that is is that like the seven hundred twenty first like on Facebook? Will be the yeah you get VHS of garbage Oh my goodness. Uh, where, uh, it did have some good songs in it. I saw something recently where like adults were playing around with not not gar- Cabbage Patch Kids. What was that? Uh-huh. Uh, there, it was weird though, because like full-grown adults, they were making play dates with other adults for their Cabbage Patch Kids. They would go oh, to places. Oh, that, that kind of neuroses. Yeah. Yeah, I see. It was weird. Where did I? I don't know where I saw it, but you know what? Whatever gets you through the night is all right. I, I guess they they it's seem all, like all right. very normal people too. It's not like you would you'd meet these people and be sure. like, "That's a weirdo." Keep your kids away from. Well, that maybe person. maybe there'll be a new phenomenon. Patchies. People who dress up in Cabbage Patch Kids clothes and have sex. Oh, jeez. Oh, That's a horrendous nightmare of a visual. Yeah, Patchies. Oh. Patchies, trademark, The Ugly Cat Show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, they've got furries. Why not Patchies? Exactly. Yeah. You can yeah, tell from the subset. smell of talcum. There, you know what? There <laughs> oh. is... <laughs> there is better. no end to the types of fetishes that will be developed... It's just it's just like an endless stream of like there's what stream? now? <laughs> That's another no. fetish. <laughs> the endless stream, yet another fetish. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Just as Dunkin' Donuts announced it had signed a deal with NBA megastar LeBron James to help promote the brand in Asia, they also announced they'll introduce pork donuts over in China in an attempt to satiate local tastes. Pork donuts? Unfortunately, these quote savory donuts aren't the only ones Dunkin' Donuts are working on. As CEO Nigel Travis puts it, they have a range of other savory products that they have been testing and introducing country by country. On top of the pork donuts, Dunkin' Donuts said they are working on milk and tea bagels with a pork floss topping for release in China as well. Milk and tea bags? What? It has. Uh, <laughs> it hasn't been announced as to whether LeBron James will be directly promoting pork donuts. So, yeah. I, you know, though, I... If there's a part of me, a certain part of me that really wants this brought here. Well, I, I want to try a pork donut. The what's going yeah. in your mouth? Yes, I, that, I, that I, part of me. Okay, Ooh, I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if that's anything like um, there's a a place called Voodoo Donuts. I believe oh, it's in Oregon. Yes. Voodoo Donuts that they in have Oregon, the yeah, maple Portland. bacon mm-hmm. bar, yeah. which it's well, bacon it's, is a special thing. Bacon, yeah, but like. I'm thinking more like uh, like Asian pork buns. Okay, know? maybe that might be what yeah, it is. That, yeah, that might be the flavor profile they're aiming for there, which is then, awesome. Yes, because I have had a donut locally that is similar to the maple bacon bar that they have at Voodoo Donuts, and it was really good. I'm just wondering if there's any sugar involved in the the pork donut, or yeah, if I it is so. like you say, some kind of like a pork dumpling, right? Type yeah. deal. Mm. We'll have to. 
Yeah. We'll have to go to our local Don- Do- Dunkin' Donuts and see In if China. we can. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if we could only a get a hold of Paul, he's there right now. <laughs> there you go. Paul, bring We've him got back. him in. Well, you know what? He's put bull penis in his mouth. So. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever pays the bills. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it for the shit news. Not too bad. Oh, All right. Well, yeah. Okay. So weekend geek. Not quite as painful as normal. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although there's a few items in Weekend Geek that may that, that may hurt you a little. That may destroy my right. soul. Geek shock. Not God quite as almighty, painful as normal. Let's get this over with. Doesn't hurt him. May destroy. You, this is sounding like an old marriage. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like 20 years ago. You know, with yeah. the sweet and the Tropicana. And that's true. <laughs> no, oh, there it is. The bloom is off the rose. <laughs> If you are not sure about trying Star Wars The Old Republic, it will be going free-to-play this weekend. As part of the Weekend Pass free trial, uh, Star Wars will be opening the game up to all players without a previously active account from Thursday, March 15th, starting at 12 a.m. to Monday, March 19th at 2 a.m. Central Time. Uh, there aren't limits to the f- uh, There aren't limits to the freeness of it, but there are limits to the progress free players can make. Though the game is opened enough to give players a pretty good idea if they'd like to continue playing the game via subscription. Players using the Weekend Pass Free Trial will be allowed to play through the opening adventures of each of the eight character classes in the game, exploring their origin world as well as their faction's capital world, and will be allowed to play on PvE or PvP and role-playing PvE and the role-playing PvP service. Uh, there are limitations to the trial, however. however. All players cannot exceed level 15, nor they can they exceed a crew skill of 40. They can't leave the aforementioned designated worlds, and they aren't allowed to use general trade or PvP chat. Through a weekend pass, char- though a weekend pass character will be allowed to receive in-game mail, they will not be able to reply to mail by other trial accounts. Well, weekend pass characters will also not be allowed to trade. On the plus side, weekend pass characters will not be deleted after the trial is over, and the accounts will simply be treated as inactive accounts. So if you feel like uh, you want to continue your space adventure, you can reactivate your character with what you with the progress you've already made. So if you want to try it out, this is the weekend to do it. It's going to be free for you. Give it a shot. It's still going to cost me like $1,000 to $1,500 because I need to update my system in order to, to play the damn game. <laughs> so you, you have till uh, Friday. Okay. Yeah. All right. First Do we know, no, is, uh, Thursday. Is Dr. Vlog playing this yet? Uh, no. I know he was like, no word on, on it. it. Uh, I know, no, uh, Lewis was uh, kind of hammering him to get on it, but, yeah. uh, but I never heard of anything movement, movement toward that at all. No. I know Barry has been over the years resisting getting back into any kind of MMO <laughs> yeah. just because it's so consuming yeah. of his time and, if he does that, he doesn't want to do anything else. Yeah, seventh a bit and twice shy. Yeah. yeah. So I know that he he has mentioned in the past interest in the game, but not that he necessarily wants to play it because he doesn't want to become, you know, World of Warcraft for a while was so, he, he just looked at it and like, this is consuming so much of my time. Sure. I can't, you know... I barely have time to do my own work, and let alone play this to the point where I can actually have a character that's good enough to go on missions, etc. So yeah, and he's so busy right now being a stay stay at home dad for Jade the dog. Yes, that's <laughs> Jade. Yeah, so you know he's very busy. He's he's busy putting, putting doing kibble, that. taking them out, going to IKEA and and building furniture. Yeah, well, <laughs> wine racks to be exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
with, yeah, with it color is Barry LEDs. after all. Yeah, he took me on a Skype video tour of his place. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and what's the first thing he shows me? He's like, look what I made. <laughs> he shows me the wine rack. Through the smoke, you can barely see it. <laughs> with, the, with the colored LEDs, the color-changing LEDs. That was pretty funny. Russian and South Korean scientists have agreed upon joint research and signed a deal on intending to recreate the extinct woolly mammoth via cloning. Wang Su-suk of South Korean's Suwon Biotech Research Foundation. Well, let, let, wanna, us, let us stop here. And yeah, yeah, let's pause while <laughs> pause China reverberates reaction. with Paul's laughter. And Vasilev, vice rector of the North... Vice, vice, vice rector? <laughs> vice rector. See? <laughs> Rector. Oh, yeah. Wow. Rector. <laughs> wow. Uh, Rector. <laughs> damn near killed her. <laughs> of the Northeastern Federal University of the Soccer Republic. I want my rim shot button for that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Back in 2005, Huang created the world's first cloned dog, Snuppy, though other cloning research of his was found to be faked, so that will probably and unfortunately be underlying thought throughout the whole woolly mammoth cloning research and experiment. After global warming thawed, Siberia's permafrost remains of a woolly mammoth were uncovered, and the process began. Uh, Soam Biotech Research Foundation said they'd begin the research this year if the woolly mammoth remains could be shipped to them in time. Soam also said that it would help out by sending some technology to the Russian university. Soam researcher Huang In-sung said that the first and hardest step is to restore the woolly mammoth cells, and the scientists will be looking for woolly mammoth tissue with an undamaged gene. The intent is to replace the nuclei of egg cells from an elephant with mammoth cells, which could then be planted into an elephant womb. So Am admits the process will be tough, but the researchers feel they'll be able to achieve the goal if they have a history of successful clonings, which include a cat, cow, dog, pig, and wolf. I was gonna say they've been working on this from some for some time. As well, I, recall. I mean, uh, an elephant gestates over two years, so yeah, something. It's like gonna that. it's gonna be a while before you actually see results, as well. So. Well, I know that I, I know that it, it was discussed many years ago when they found that almost perfectly preserved woolly mammoth carcass. Yeah, and, uh, it, yeah. it was. I mean, it still had the fur and everything. It was because it was essentially flash frozen. Well, yeah. When it was, uh, well, when it, yeah. You know, People have, that, to nice, have that wool, woolly mammoth steak. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but Give but, it a decade and you'll have that Flintstones moment when you've got a big ass steak on your car <laughs> and it just flips it over. But maybe the woolly mammoth was actually the thing. Maybe it was. Oh, and yeah. we're just, and we're just, we're just bringing it back to yeah. life. So by eating oh. the woolly mammoth steak, we're becoming the thing as well. Oh. You're going to oh, eat it? Great. You're going to eat You're going to eat this mammoth? No, he was just talking about the the woolly mammoth steaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, are, do we have to take blood samples now and and yeah. subject them to wait, fire? Wait, wait. Are you really sure. who you say you are? <laughs> yeah, really. Who's eating woolly mammoth steaks? Well, that's recently. more of a philosophical question. Well, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> are there? Is there anybody signing up to hunt this thing yet? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a list here. On the top is Ted, Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent. Yeah. Oh, right away. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. That was. I'll, ju- I'll that pay to clone one just so I can hunt it. That was just crossed out, and Shane, he put himself on top. Shane, he's like, I'm going right. to kill this damn thing. <laughs> Shane's going to have a heart attack chasing the damn thing. 
Uh, since its release about a month ago, the movie Chronicle has grossed over $105 million at the box office worldwide. Wow. This was enough to greenlight a sequel, and Max Landis, who wrote the original, is returning to write the next installment. Details are scant regarding the sequel at the moment, but if you haven't seen Chronicle yet, you should give it a go in preparation for the sequel. It's not bad. I, I, I had fun with it. I mean, it's not... You know, it's it's not a hardcore dramatic picture, you know, like a picture of the year kind of picture, but it's it was fun and you know, you know, is a I guess a, a answer to that question that, you know, people, you know, especially us geeks ask all the time, you know, what would you do if you suddenly developed, you know, some kind of a superpower, in this case telekinesis and you know, what what would your limitations be and what what could you do with that power? You know, I, I thought it was a very well done picture. Well, after my last answer, I'm going to stick with fight crime. Yeah. Because I listened to the podcast where we discussed superpowers, and I was like, wow, you know, that sounds funny in your head, but when you actually say it and listen to it, that whole <laughs> superpower of mine was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that podcast gets heard by too many people. I'll really have a hard You'll time end up finding in trouble, a job yeah. anywhere. Yeah. You're going to have to post something up on your, uh, on your front lawn. Yeah, so I'm going to fight crime. So we, we have to have a notes page now on the, our webpage just to... Yeah, you know. just protect ourselves. What we've said. Yeah, there you go. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like, one of, I addendum just, to episode twenty-two. It just reminded me when we did our Smallville interviews at uh, Comic Con a couple of years ago, and we posited that question to the entire cast, and we got some really good answers on that. My favorite still is the uh, the ability to understand and speak all languages. Oh yeah, that sure. was that, that. I thought about tongues. That. I was like, that's that's really incredible. Being able to you know, think about it, you, yeah. you anybody comes up and speaks to you, you can automatically understand what they're saying and respond in kind, and not have to worry about that whole you know mistranslation thing. And uh, that should a, that should be fascinating. The, that should be your superhero name though for that power. Tongues. Tongues. Yeah. Tongues. Oh, hurry. Now call you're, tongues. Now you're, now you're getting I'm, back I, in a danger I, zone again. I can't escape. My God. This is, what's this saying about me? Oh. What, what would be I want to fight crime. What would be the suit or lack thereof that you would wear as tongues? I'm just picturing like, uh, you know, the classic tights, but with just a big like bleh. Like the Rolling Stones. That's yeah, what you're yeah, I was just yeah. going to say, do you license the, the, the icon from the Rolling Stones? To Look, you're saving lives with your, with your ability. Mick Jagger said it was okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you I, say I, Swahili. I spoke to him in his native language. <laughs> <laughs> Which nobody Gene still Simmons understands. said it was okay. <laughs> Uh, famed and somewhat notorious game designer Peter Molyneux, creator of Fable and black and white video game franchises, will be leaving his studio, Lionhead Studios, and Microsoft. By leaving Lionhead Studios, Molyneux will be leaving a company he co-founded back in 1997, and by leaving Microsoft, he'll be giving up his seat as creative head of Microsoft Studios Europe, which he has yet, which has yet to have a successor named. He'll be staying on as a consultant to help finish the next iteration of Fable, Fable, Fable the Journey, as for what the future will hold for Molyneux, he announced on Twitter he'll be working on an independent venture, a new company called 22 Cans. Microsoft wished Molyneux well and noticed that the split was more Molyneux's choice than anything in the two parted ways on good terms. For 22 Cans. <laughs> it seems I've like read that magazine. 
Isn't that new Fable the one that's supposed to be Connect enabled and it's supposed to have a completely different user interface? Yeah, based Act on the only, Connect. Yeah. I, I'm not exactly excited by the news that he's that's his last game with them. Well, you know, in, uh, maybe he's going to go out on a high note. Hopefully, you can pet your horse Fable in that game. Three, that's what I hear. He was pushing the Connect thing, and I think Microsoft's kind of <laughs> pushing. Don't the look Kinect at me like that, Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> Are there mirrors on the ceiling while you're petting the horse? <laughs> Wait, just let him use his ability. Let, let him use his tongues. <laughs> You'll be you know okay with it. What's creepy is when you okay wake up it. and you see your reflection in the mirror and it startles you for a second. You're like, who the fuck's looking at me? Oh, it's just me. Oh, I've died and I'm outside of my body looking down at my... Wait, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can tongues talk to horses? Maybe. Only in whispers. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, that's a whole different movie. <laughs> Whispers. Nef- That's it. I won't be tongue tell me. Whisper. <laughs> That's his nemesis. I can, I can communicate in any language, but I can't be any louder than this. It's like somebody walks up to you, blah, 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 blah. Shh. Whisper. That's the whole comic book. <laughs> that sounds like more like a librarian, though. Shh. Whisper. That's what that's that's what whispers does in when he's not out of costume. Oh, so there you go. His secret a, identity is a right, librarian. Right. I get it. I yeah. got it. That makes sense. You even got that little bust of William Shakespeare when uh, yes. time to go fight crime. Yeah, now, does it pop go. open and have a button in there to open the? Secret no, it it just turns and oh. goes. Time to fight crime. <laughs> ah, very subtle. <laughs> <laughs> you never see him coming. Whisper. Maybe you never hear him coming either. When he's petting the horse. <laughs> Very Which possibly. is interesting that the next story starts. It's been kind of quiet. <laughs> it's been kind of quiet on the Dark Tower scene in recent months, leading to speculation that the Mammoth Project had fallen into development hell. But there's now signs that Roland, the last gunslinger, might be coming to a theater near you. Last we knew, Universal Pictures had nixed the idea of adapting Stephen King's seven-book, soon-to-be-eight-book, fantasy-sci-fi hybrid as three movies and two linking TV series, claiming that the project was just too expensive. Although the filmmaker involved, including uh, Ron Howard, vowed to press on and find a home for the project, Howard himself said back in November that it might be a long time before The Dark Tower finally went into production, if at all. Now, however, Deadline has reported that Warner Brothers Pictures is very close, quote, unquote, to bringing the Dark Tower back to life, with Howard still signed to direct at least the first film, uh, Javier Bardem still attached to play Roland, and the trio of uh, Kiva Goldsman, who also wrote the script, Brian Grazer, and Stephen King himself all on board to produce. If the deal goes through, Howard could begin rolling the cameras on the first movie as early as the first quarter of 2013. Goldsman is doing some fine-tuning on the screenplay in preparation for that. As previously reported, HBO is apparently still going to carry the TV component, which is convenient since it's part of the conglomerate as Warner Brothers. That's true. So it's very cool. So they're still working on the project of uh, movie and show. Yeah. Very cool. HBO's done great stuff in the past and currently. No, uh, that's uh, that's actually a good sign right there. Well, so. I did see an interview with Ron Howard recently. He was talking about that uh, movie project that he did with Canon based on the still photographs, you know, the, the submitted to inspire a story to do a movie. And he brought up on his own during that interview that Dark Tower was a project that he is continuing to work on. 
uh, it wasn't even a question the interviewer asked him. So I I would imagine the guy has it in his brain all the time as a as something he wants to do. So oh. it's you know. Well, Ho- bless hopefully, him. yeah, that's great hands for it to be in. Yeah, I'm still, yeah, I'm still so excited Dude, about I, the idea. Is, I can't no, think of cool. a Ron Howard film I haven't liked. So. I, I or produced that he's produced that I haven't gone. No. That was a good film. Ghostwriter too. He produced that one. No, I just, <laughs> just I haven't it seen it either. I so no, I can't. No, visually no amazing. So, I haven't mastered seen... the art of CGI fire. Did they? Yes. They, I have not seen the, nice. the second Ghostwriter. So was my able, statement still remains true. Was he able <laughs> to take down the whisper? Uh, well, <laughs> nobody takes whisper. <laughs> <laughs> whisper. A new TV series based on the 1995 film Braveheart is in the works, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Like I said, there's some of these that could go either way. <laughs> TV series. If, if you could only hear the look of confusion that Michael has yeah, on his face. Yeah, really. That was, that, was like, that was a very loud look of I'm confusion. I'm wordless. Carry on. <laughs> Whisper doesn't even have anything to say. The producers are hoping to craft something in the vein of Game of Thrones and Spartacus. The story follows legendary Scott William Wallace, who led the Scottish forces in a war for independence in the 13th century. The series will delve into Wallace's backstory, feature, uh, focusing on the politics and warring that led up to the original film. Uh, writer Mick Davis, of, who wrote The Eleventh Hour, is behind the project, which will be shopped around to a network once it's further along in development. Quote, This was a turbulent time in Scotland's history in which William Wallace had a starring and pivotal role, producer Alan Clements said. We plan to delve deep into his character and explore his passions, bringing parts of history to life in a spectacular and raw depiction. With all eyes on Scotland and the current political climate, this also seems to be a very appropriate time to tell this story in more depth. So basically, it's going to be Braveheart starting earlier, but with more detail. Does that work for you? I have to ask that question. And has there been anything like this, where (sighs) an existing project brought to television, expanded upon with the same ending. Because I was thinking about that earlier, and I couldn't think of anything. Hmm. 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 Well, uh, well, you mean like off of a movie or something? Cause, yeah, I mean, yeah. You've based, got, off of, based off a yeah, movie. Cause, cause, yeah, because first thing I think of is bold, Boardwalk Empire, which is you just go to Wikipedia and you can find out all about Nucky Thompson and the whole Atlantic City sure. right. prohibition thingy. But um, <clears throat> uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know, especially with, you know, with that ending, you know where it's going. But then again, you, you know where it's going with Spartacus. The, the big difference there is that Spartacus is so far removed in history that he's almost completely mythic, whereas Wallace, there were plenty of people who were a little <coughs> irked with the liberties taken in uh, Braveheart. So there's um, maybe a chance this will fix those irks and create all new irks. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Whispers I mean, I, is on the new irks. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Tongues is there to make sure it stays true. Uh, well, well, yeah. Um... Yeah, they can go back and fix a lot of the history that they kind of made up for their for the movie, and you know they move things around definitely because you know uh, Gibson wanted it to to be a certain way. Um, and I guess there's TV there, but it just God that movie was it was done well, super it was well. done well, yeah, yeah, and it was enjoyable. Just, if I feel like, wow, why are you going? Why? I, I, 
make something new about William Wallace, or you know, why like send why him back you, through time so he no, goes not back something to, like to that. I'm just saying, why are you calling this? Why are you calling this Braveheart? Why does Braveheart have to do with this? Braveheart told the entire. I mean, well, you saw him when he was, was a kid. Not his you saw him when he died. Right. You saw the whole thing. Well, it might not be well, called but, Braveheart, but, but but Wallace, he had an interesting life. He did I have mean, an the guy life. wasn't he was a just like guy. some mook who said, "Hey, let's sharpen some stakes and really fuck up the English knights." Right. He was a mercenary. He was all over the place in Europe. He. He he brought back to Scotland a lot of uh, a lot of the, the the tactical genius that made him successful, and um, it, so he did have. If they were to follow his history, they could tell actually quite one hell of a story. But you know who knows. But they called the they, movie. But but they called back to Braveheart. So well, now I gotta wonder: Are they gonna do that? Yeah. I know. Or are they gonna tell Mel Gibson's history? Yeah, banging the queen. Yeah. <laughs> Braveheart. Banging the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a, show, a Cinemax title. <laughs> yeah, really, not HBO. That'll be a Cinemax original series. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> there are bagpipe covers of Queen songs. One to say. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, plenty of conspiracy hats, gentlemen. A Chinese news website, The People's Daily Online reports that two fifth-grade classmates committed suicide recently in hopes they would be able to travel back in time as well as into space. Time travel stories have become quite popular in China recently, though the government believes the content is, quote, questionable and is pushing an airtime ban to discourage children from watching the programs. They're basically banning time travel stories. Uh, We talked about this a few casts ago. Uh, one of the girls reportedly decided to commit suicide after she lost a remote control for her door at her house and didn't want to get into trouble with her parents. Her friend decided to join her in hopes that the two would travel back into time to the Qing Dynasty uh, from 1644 to 1911 to film a documentary or travel to space in the future. The girls left a suicide note explaining the plan before jumping into a pool and drowning themselves. Quote, School children are rich in curiosity but poor in judgment, so this kind of tragedy happens in every era, unquote. China Youth and Children Research Center Deputy Director Sun Yun Zhao said, I quote, I have heard of children jumping from high buildings after watching an actor fly in a magic show. This kind of imitative behavior is the nature of young children, and it's very dangerous. So we should give some sort of warning for children on TV programs, unquote. Though the story is heartbreaking, the report has been challenged by some who say China is exaggerating the time travel connection to use the tragedy as propaganda. Uh, writer Anna North notes, quote, It's distinctly possible that Huang and China Daily were under pressure from the government to paint the girl's suicide as a direct result of the evil influence of time travel, unquote. Of course, the question remains, why? Yeah. Wouldn't be the first time somebody's taken a tragedy and used it to promote their own agenda. So, I mean, yeah. if if currently their agenda is banning anything time travel related. I just didn't know that's how time travel worked. I, I didn't know. Damned if, I, uh, yeah. damned if that's the first time I've heard that, that quote unquote theory. I won't be trying it. Yeah, if you jump in a pool. And they didn't reference drown. a particular instance where somebody used suicide as a method of traveling in time yeah I, there, there's and i like, read a few stories on this to try to f- dig a little deeper yeah. into it and there there was, there was no specific reference to hmm. some particular show where you travel through time by ending your life I'm, yeah i'm a time travel nut i've seen a lot of time travel 
TV shows, movies, etc. I can't recall. I mean, the, the closest thing I could even come up with jumping into a pool, you know, is is Stargate, which has that ripple effect. But that's they've only oh, done wow, time travel yeah. well, a couple of times. Yeah, but that's also that's that's, that's, that's completely different. Our mass media, uh, China. Yeah. China internally is huge. The sure. largest massively circulated print magazine of science fiction is actually a, a Chinese science fiction magazine with a, a readership in the hundreds of thousands. Okay. I mean, it is, I mean, of course, a billion people. It is huge right. there. So there may be something there that, uh, that then talks to that, that speaks to that, that we don't know about. Although it's, it's kind of curious that it's not mentioned. You know, this is why we banned X because of you know blah blah blah. Right. So it the whole thing is peculiar and, and a little sad too, especially yeah. like the whole the whole well we're gonna go in the past and make it or go into the future. It's like don't you want to like make that decision before you kill yourselves or and it's, killing yourself putting it, you in the state to make that decision? It, yeah, it just well, really kind of sounds like a a something that. They uh, got tacked on as the story was being written. It's like, kinda. oh, and this is why they did it. So right. you got to make sure because you include that in there. The beginning of it, it sounds more like a fear for losing that remote control. Yeah, yeah. Oh and, yeah. And, and, and of then, course, we and, know how. And how? Staunch what? That what can kind be. of fucking fear is that? That you're actually going to flat out kill yourself? Well, obviously, these parents are not good parents, and uh, probably dad drowned them. I, I think that's. Uh, it's just a cover up. <laughs> or, or maybe yeah. they. The father's, conspiracy had was their father's for. a political <laughs> figure. Or maybe they They're had never intended to kill themselves. Around. Maybe they or, were trying to hide out, and they thought, "Hey, if we hide in, you know, this pond, pool, whatever, that you know, we'll wait till they go by, and then, you know, because you know, kids have poor judgment. They don't understand that if you stay down too long. I mean, yeah, especially if you your know. father's Ming the Merciless. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> and who's to say they didn't go back in time or that's, into the future? That's true. Maybe we don't they know. succeeded. We don't we know. Don't we don't know. know. That, they've, that left could, the, they love, they've left their mortal coil. We don't know. We didn't that see the movie. That could have been a magic pool. That could have been. We don't know. So, so Paul, if you're hearing pool. this right now, I want you to go dump, jump into this pool. Jump into the pool. All right. Whoa, he just it appeared. All oh, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. And he had nothing good to say. Uh, the third installment of the game, Studio Blizzard's much-beloved Diablo series, is still without a release date. And that's the story. No, I'm not. I'm not but fans of the series have a bit of bad news. Uh, the game will not ship with player versus player combat. According to a blog post on the Diablo 3 community site, the company is focusing all of its efforts on bringing a quality single-player campaign to market and promises to bring PvP game in a later patch. The game lead designer Jay Wilson writes on the Diablo 3 fan site, We wanted to let you know that we've made the difficult decision to hold back the PvP arena system and release it in a patch following the game's launch. After a lot of consideration and discussion, we ultimately felt that delaying the whole game purely for PvP would just be punishing to everyone who's waiting to enjoy the campaign and core solo-slash-co-op content, all of which is just about complete. Unquote. So, the message to fans is, the game you want is coming, it's just not coming with everything you wanted. Though Blizzard famously refuses to give release dates, preferring to release games, quote, when they're ready, the decision to delay PvP suggests that the long-awaited game is ready and will be coming out soon. In fact, that reputation for a quality release is still silted by Wilson as the reason for the delay for PP, PvP. Wow. So mm. the little shit stains won't be able to gank noobs. In yep. The First, not until everybody knows what they're the, doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never liked the PvP in Diablo anyways. Yeah. You just sit there and click on somebody? No, that's not exciting. That's no. not fun. 
I agree. I, that, I'm not at a loss for this. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I want the game. Is, I'm excited for the co-op and the and the single player adventure for the story that they're going to tell. So that's what we're getting. That's yeah. What was? Oh yeah. What was? How was your experience with the uh, the Diablo uh, beta? I enjoyed it, but really, what it turned out to be was really an extended demo. Oh okay. It was basically like the first chapter of the game. Yeah. So like an invitation point. only. And then, and then demo. once you once you hit once you defeated that first boss of the first chapter, it's like you have completed the Diablo three beta. Why don't you try a different character? And I did. So that's exactly <laughs> what I did. But it was fun. It's Diablo. It's, yeah, well, it's I, a, great. It's everything I wanted in it. Excellent. So I haven't gotten any gems yet and that kind of stuff, but I did do a little crafting. So the crafting uh, system's fun. It works. Yeah, nice. And you you punt money into the the blacksmith shop so you can you can craft better items for you. So there's a little bit of city building in that yeah, regard. Okay. Oh, so that's, that's kind of fun. A game that has commerce that Torgo likes. Oh, if this I can't game, imagine. If this game don't ship with the auction house though, I'll be very sad. That auction house is one we're looking forward to more than anything in this game. <laughs> you have no idea. He has played games that he has admitted are shitty games. He has continued to play them just because there's some kind of an economy component to the game. I mean, literally, he has kept <laughs> playing. Too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Mm. Wow. I see. So I hate everything about this game, but I'm so addicted to this commerce. Oh, I hate it all, oh, but yet I still have 100 ore in the auction house. <laughs> I mean, there have been times where I will come home, and he is playing a game, and all he is doing for the entire like hour and a half that I see him play this game. Hour and a half. That's funny. <laughs> I'm saying the hour and a half that I'm witnessing. Okay. I don't know, you know, beginning to end no, how dude, long there. No, there was a there. time where I would get up in the morning, go out, hammering ore, killing some creatures, trying to find some decent items, smelting the ore, then getting everything into the auction house in time for work. Leave the computer on so that the auction house is still running and yeah. tabulating while I'm then coming home from work to see what's sold. Oh, not enough. Computer stays on. Go to bed. Wake up. Oh, that was <laughs> enough sold. Let's go out and do it again. That was my life. What I, what I was getting at is like I've, I've watched him like spend this entire time that I'm, I'm observing in like this hour and a half, two hours, just doing the economy portion of the game. Not any actual gameplay, just buying and selling stuff or buying properties <laughs> and renting them out and increasing or decreasing rent. I mean, literally. You're talking Fable right now. <laughs> well, Fable is one of, but I, you know, I'm probably melding a few if different titles together. I buy things together over here brain, and I sell but... them over here, I make this much profit. Yeah. In, that's Fable, I, in the Fable, I own the entire world of Fable. Every, every, I am a Monopoly. Mm. Oh, and I love it so much. According to a report by Gamasutra, over uh, more than 4.5 million 3DSs have been sold in the United States since it was originally released on March 27, 2011. Nintendo's latest handheld was off to a rocky start in the West, resulting in a $80 drop from the original launch price of uh, uh, $249.99 in August. According to Nintendo, the sales of the console skyrocketed after the price cut and several high-profile first-party titles, which were released later this last, late this last year. So in total, more than 9 million software units have been sold for the handheld in the United States so far. Eight months after its initial release, the 3DS became the fastest-selling console of all time, a record that was previously held by the original Nintendo DS. 
Uh, by comparison, the first gener- generation Nintendo DS sold approximately 2.25 million during its first year in the U.S. market. So literally, it has doubled the sales of the DS wow. in its first year. 3DS, which we'd already kind of written off as like, oop, yeah. Nintendo's big failure. There it right. is. Yeah. Is now one of Nintendo's biggest successes. <laughs> I saw somebody did a Photoshop picture of a 3DS with uh, uh, Miyamoto and uh, oh, I can't think of the, the other guy that's the... John Stewart? The, no. Uh, the Japanese Jason head of Nintendo. Oh. And the two of them are holding a 3DS and they had Photoshopped a dollar bill coming out of the actual 3DS, and then it, it, the, the quote bubble above them is like the two of them saying simultaneously, it pr- literally prints money. I don't know. I found it very amusing. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. Good story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barry, shut up. <laughs> I can hear Barry right now. He's like, I'm not even there right now. He's telling me to shut up. Somebody say it. Hell? Taking my shit. <laughs> Marvel recently announced that every Marvel comic would soon be hitting store shelves with codes for free digital versions of the same book. Yay! Now, with Marvel Infinite, the company plans to truly differentiate the reading experience of the paper version and the interactive digital experience. Oh. The Infinite versions of the comics appear to be even uh, to even be different than the standard digital comic. The first Infinite comic will, to be available will be Avengers vs. X-Men number one, and it'll be available for free via the redemption code that comes with the print version or included with the purchase of the digital version. Other than the fact that the Infinite Comics will take advantage of tablet technology while staying true to the print medium's greatest strengths, the press release doesn't offer up specifics as to what we can expect. Basically, these books are created from the ground up with the tablet in mind, rather than created for print, then converted to the tablet. The next prong of Marvel's attack on the digital medium involves a free app called Marvel AR, which is a free app that will offer augmented reality experiences to the digital comics that are compatible with the free app. That uh, Some examples of the enhancements to come that have been shared by Marvel include additional story elements, behind-the-scenes footage, and commentaries. That's kind of neat. Sounds good. So you're getting, basically, not only a digital comic, but if you do it through Marvel AR, a special edition of yeah, that comic. Yeah, you're the, the special features. Yes, exactly. The comic. That's exciting to me. Excelsior. Yeah, that sounds really cool. You think? Yeah. You used to buy DVDs of movies you hate just for the special yeah, features. Yes, I do. Because yeah. sometimes I want an explanation. That's true. <laughs> but but yeah. Why do you suck so bad? Tell me. Well, he's also not bought movies that he loves because it didn't have commentary or special that's true. features. Yeah, I've done that. So, yeah. That, no, I, you know, I think that's an excellent idea. Out. It's an excellent idea. I mean, it's bonus content that probably doesn't really cost them that much extra to produce, and it's a, a way to get people to, to do the the the, 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 the digital yeah. version of that. And not only do the digital version, but not do the pirated version of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So actually, yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, yeah, they have found that by adding uh, value to digital print, that they can reduce piracy. So yeah, good point. I hadn't thought about that. I don't have a tablet. Your time will come. Oh. Your love for the cloud will come. The whisper has spoken. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Are you headed to Comic-Con this summer? Yes. But not sure how to get to San Diego? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> a possible solution has been announced by Chris Hardwick via MTV. Oh, this is cool. Yeah. Course of the Force. 
is a Star Wars-themed Olympic-style relay from Santa Monica to San Diego, where runners pass off lightsabers instead of batons. I heard about this. The race will benefit Make-A-Wish Foundation, and participants will arrive just in time for the con. Hardwick said, initially, we wanted to do it from Skywalker Ranch all the way down to San Diego, but we kind of just wanted to get our feet wet the first year. The event is the concept of Hardwick's Nerdist Industries business partner, Peter Levin. Here's what Hardwick and Levin had to say about the event. Quote, there's just nothing really to do for fans, Hardwick says. We wanted a positive celebratory experience that could be for charity. Thus, the lightsaber relay was born. From July 7th through the 11th, Hardwick and his nerdist comrades will follow the relay action, which will include parties, contests, and giveaways. Quote, it's five days of nerds and cosplay running, passing a lightsaber all the way down the California coast. Fans of all types are welcome to participate in the race. Quote, any kind of character they're into. Anime characters, Doctor Who characters, Battlestar, we welcome all walks. So who's going to go dressed as the Cabbage Patch Kid? I was going to say, Patchies. <laughs> Patchies. Patchies with sabers. Not to mention go, Kirsten, all those. Represent the Patchies. All those, uh, all those little Star Wars people who having their heart attacks and <laughs> passing out from the... Uh, you also get past a cheeseburger when you. I hope you don't mind me using my scooter. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, gonna the, happen. The scooter people. Happen. The scooter yeah. people from the con. They, they, they roll Some, up, grab the baton, and roll off. Someone's oh. gonna get past a lightsaber on a scooter. There's no scooter doubt. Scooter people. Ah. <laughs> oh. oh. The incredible bulk will make an appearance. You have not lived until you have had your ankle run over by one of those goddamn scooters. No, you've lived. Uh. It you it lived. hurts like nothing I can tell you. It's not it, it it's 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 the only thing worse than the goddamn strollers. The and strollers they, rolling do, over your feet. Yeah. Do they even stop or do they just no. kind of just they just roll on? Ninety <laughs> percent of the time they don't even realize they've done it. Not even because they're not looking where they're going. They're look they're looking to their destination. They're not looking two feet in front of them to where they're steering this monstrosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially that rascally rascal that's dressed like a dragon. They are looking a thousand feet down <laughs> the goddamn convention floor to where they want to be but to, and not where the path is that they're but taking. But that's this the general problem of the anyway. I mean, no one's looking where they're going because well, you're being overloaded by eye candy. I will yeah. grant you that. But when you are driving a vehicle that is a potential injurious device, you really should pay attention to the one or two feet around you oh. and not the thousand feet away from you. It's best when they have chainsaws. Oh, the little... They're just on the sides. <laughs> That's great. I will say there's one guy that dresses up his scooter as like a dragon, and he actually Yeah, that's is, what I was talking about. I was going to say, he's actually usually pretty aware of what he's doing with this. Like, I think he's driven it for a number of years. But he's got to be. That thing's the size of a small automobile. It is. It truly that is. I think it's a smart car. But he's he's <laughs> one of the few scooter people that actually do try to be as unobtrusive as possible with that thing. Well, so. the dragon blowing fire out of its nose you know, kind of clears the path. And, <laughs> and the chainsaw He, he, he the reserves side. the fire for when there's a couple of open feet around him yeah. when people are taking pictures. The tail whips around, <laughs> make sure it's... Keeping, keeping room clear. Yeah, but when he hits the flight button, oh, jeez. <laughs> Horrible Bosses screenwriters John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein are currently in the process of developing a reboot-slash-sequel for National Lampoon's Vacation. It was also recently reported that Ed Helms might end up playing the role of Rusty Griswold, the son of Chevy Chase's character Clark. 
The directors want Chase and co-star Beverly D'Angelo to have a piece in the film, which will follow Clark Griswold's son, Rusty, who is all grown up with a family of its own as he takes them on vacation just like Dad did. Daly had this to say about the project in a statement to THR, quote, It is something that we've been warned not to screw up. We have confidence that there's still a lot to tell in the story of the Griswolds, and we've been involved with it for so long, it felt like a natural next step to direct. There'll be no recasting except for the fact that Rusty will now be grown up. We don't know who will be playing him, but we intend to have a part for Clark Griswold, Chetvy. We're hoping he'll be he'll come back down to play, and Beverly D'Angelo as well, unquote. Wait, Rusty Griswold getting recast? I can't imagine. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's got to... Well, there, yeah. there were four four different Rusties and and Audrey's, right? Yeah, four, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no one no one came back. No one ever came. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was always just Beverly D'Angelo and Chevy Chase that were the constants. Well, and then uh, 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 damn it, uh, cousin Eddie, uh, Randy Quaid, Randy Quaid, Randy thank Quaid. you, Oh, Randy Quaid, <laughs> Randy Quaid. <laughs> uh, do you have what it takes to watch six Marvel movies in a row in preparation for the release of the Avengers? I don't know. It depends on the Marvel movies. AMC Theaters is holding an event called Ultimate Marvel Marathon. (gasps) It'll take place on May 3rd, 2012 and cost you 40 bucks. You'll get to see Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor 3D, and Captain America 3D, and we'll conclude with a midnight screening of The Avengers in 3D. As of right now, the participating theaters are on AMC's website. Do we have any? We got one AMC. Yeah, don't we? Yeah, Rainbow we Promenade. One, yeah, Rainbow Promenade. Let's do it, Just Mike. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm, I'm in. You know, I would do it. I did the the Lord of the Rings one. Um, That's true. What, ten, oh, yeah. Was it ten years ago? Has it been that long? Was no longer. Was it that long? You did, no. I know. Yeah, no. no. It's yeah, like 2001, yeah. 2002 ish, right? Yeah. That when they did that though. The 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 all three films because it was. But it was all special editions of it. So it was well, after all three. The first came out. two were special editions. The third one. We saw as a, it was the first showings of the third one when we bought this yeah, special I ticket. Think, I think. Was it? Cause, I yeah. Because the third one was not the special edition. I didn't get to oh, see the special God, edition yeah. of the third <laughs> until it came out on DVD. Yeah. Time is. goes so fast Jesus. when you're having fun. And the right. thing is, is those three movies, that'll be, those were probably just as long as the six Marvel movies. So. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was in, we're, from the time I got there till the time I was leaving was more than 12 hours. We're, so. we're already prepped. All right. So, yeah. I did it. He did it once and he can do it again. Yes, he can do it again. <laughs> And Sony Pictures has announced that the RoboCop reboot, said to be directed by Jose Padilla, will be released in theaters on August 9th, 2013. News is fresh off the heels of Joe Kinnaman, who was in The Killing, being officially cast in the lead role. Director previously explained his vision, saying, quote, Wars in the future are going to be fought with drones. We won't send a plane with a pilot in it. It will be a drone. It's getting that way now, and 10 years from now, that's how wars are going to be fought. But what if a drone goes wrong? Who's to blame then? Do you blame the drone? And that problem asks that if you can consider a robot guilty of a crime, or if it's the corporation that made the ro- robot that's guilty, how do you fight back against drones when you don't have drones? Jesus, Mike, your look this of whole confusion episode. is so yeah, damn loud. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, so are they trying to do RoboCop versus Terminator? RoboCop versus honestly, they did I'm okay with that. It's they did that in a comic. I had I had yeah, yeah, I used to have yeah. it before it got my comic collection got stolen out of our storage unit. 
But Th- those uh, yeah. questions posed though make me stop and go, okay, I want to know what you're going to do with this with RoboCop. Now. Yeah, yeah. What's it? What's I'm, it? I'm uh, now intrigued because I haven't it, heard uh, RoboCop anywhere in there. So I'm yeah, kind of like, where is where's, yeah? Where's the human cyborg element to that? Like, okay, yeah, yeah robot. A robot does something wrong. Maybe that's the blame, that's the movie. The Robocop corporate. is sitting, I, watching watching <laughs> TV, going, "Geez, I hate these drone things." <laughs> Human thrust tissue grafted onto a robotic endoskeleton. So Asimov's I Robocop is what we're going. I Robocop. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Nice. And finally, the Kickstarter project for Double Find Adventure, which aimed to collect a mere four hundred thousand dollars for a new classically designed <laughs> adventure game from Schaefer's San Francisco-based studio. Concluded with a total of three million dollars, three hundred. Oh, sorry, three million three hundred thirty-five thousand dollars, two hundred and sixty-five in funding. Yeah. Oh, after over just a month. Wow. An accompanying documentary will capture its creation step by step. Quote: I don't want to say that this is the end of the whole game industry as we know it. It's not. It's not. Schaefer joked, surrounding by the festivities in the Double Fine office as the Kickstarter clock counted down. The visibly grateful designer said fans no longer had to accept no for an answer when it came to their favorite niche entertainment. Quote, you can choose, unquote. That's awesome. If you have a, if you have a good web presence, Kickstarter, I'm noticing the Kickstarter, people starting them up and hitting their goals within hours. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then rolling on. And uh, In fact, so. uh, Wasteland 2 was, uh, is now a Kickstarter. Wasteland was a... Uh, a Game in the late 80s, possibly early 90s, RPG. It was the, it was put out by Interplay and later was the basis for Fallout. Right. So yeah. Fallout owns everything to Wasteland. And Wasteland 2 is now, is now a kick, uh, Kickstarter funded project. Wow. It's got a $900,000 goal and it's up to, it's $300,000 so far. Nice. Yeah. So, and, and actually, Wasteland was one of my favorite games on the Commodore 64. God, I, so, I, I miss those Interplay games, man. That was yeah. a, the, them and the, their early PC titles. Like right when I just started getting into PC gaming, were some of the best ones I ever played. Uh, they were responsible for a lot of the uh, the Star Trek um, in, uh, video games. Uh, there was a 25th anniversary game, and then there was also a follow up to that, which oh, yeah. name escapes me right now. But I used to play those things for hours and had so much fun with them. It was almost like little cartoon versions of all the little Star Trek characters, but it was a fun game. And just actually any of the interplay games that I played on the PC were just fantastic. So, yeah, I, I would love to see Wasteland 2 get its uh, get all of its funding. That's awesome. I also think they had Battle Chess. I think that was an yeah. interplay game, too. Yeah. Oh. Battle, Battle Chess Battle was fun. Chess, yeah. um, did you donate to Wasteland 2? Uh, I will. I haven't done it yet, but... Uh, do you know what the benefits are? are they, uh, have they, have they yeah, listed? one of them includes like a boxed uh, collector's edition box set of the game with cloth map and game coin like they used to do with the old Ultima games. Yeah. You've donated to more than a few Kickstarters, as I recall. I check Kickstarter on a regular basis. and I, and I, I need to I start doing in. that myself. Says, yeah, yeah there, if it, I think there. it's a fun idea. And not only that, but if you throw in enough, then you get a copy of that idea when it's oh, done. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. So the way I see it, I'm I'm buying early, pre-ordering, yeah, if yeah, you will. Yeah, pre-ordering the game. It is basically pre-ordering. But uh, you know what I miss about role-playing games, uh, what they used to be versus what they are now. Now they've all taken that lone gunman aspect. Yeah. Uh, you are the pirate, the captain of the ship. You are the uh, the dragonborn. This, then they're all fine and very immersive experiences. But what I miss about the old ones is used to create a party. 
Yeah. You used to have a party of four to six characters. You rolled them up individually, and you went questing with those six characters, designed how you wanted to do the fill in their individual niches. Mm -hmm. And you really don't see that. I think the last one I saw like that uh, was uh, Icewind Dale of the Baldur's Gate uh, series. That definitely had that element. Yeah, I can't think of a game that's that's doing it because... They're all they're all trying to build that single single uh, single player story yeah, that that you are that you are yeah. the god in this you yeah. are that you are the battle man yeah you're the, you're, you're the right. man that 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 is the answer to everyone's prayers but I think a lot of that was technology too that technology got so far that it most of those old games you had to play with your mind still yeah. Yeah. wizardry Ultima they were they were blips and lines on a screen you filled in the rest mm-hmm. so you, your party was their own story that was in your own brain yeah whereas now you don't need that. The story is now completely written. Well, I'm looking forward to when they take the lone gunman concept and the party concept and bring it into like the co-op area where you have like a full immersive RPG that you can play with your friends with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, you can be build each and you can build your own party each, you know, your part yeah. is that, uh, did the vampire masquerade role-playing game on the PC do that? I never played it. I, th- I, I it you could where you had a dungeon master and multiple players. One oh. person was actually controlling the world and building it. Oh wow! Yeah, I remember that. That uh, I bought that game for a friend, and I re- remember the the build the build aspect yeah. of it was what I was really like. Somebody wrote an article yeah. on a joystick about this uh, this subject, and it just got me kind of thinking about it. Got your waxing nostalgic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm gonna. Well, we ought to get a Kickstarter done for Ugly Coucho's RPG, You Demand. <laughs> you Demand. You can play as Tongues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You you can play as uh, Anal Stiltskin. Yeah, there Anal you go. Stiltskin yeah. will be in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Naked, yeah. Naked Derm Stop Smokey. Stop Smokeski. That's I can't, the one. I can't even yeah, say absolutely. it. Uh, Dick Ass Fart. <laughs> Dick Ass Fart. Dick Ass Fart Paul. Or the famous Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should call it, uh, hmm, what should we call our RPG? Well, it's you demand. You demand. <laughs> you demand. You demand. Hey, what? what, not, what? Not, don't worry, be glappy. <laughs> what should we call the the, the Ugly Couch Show RPG? Yeah. Write to us, comments at uglycouchshow.com. And of course, watch the Ugly Couch Show itself. We tell you what to watch, what to read, what to play. And thank yous for all those Facebook likes and keep them coming because there's prizes to be given away. Speaking of uh, Facebook, real quick, uh, I just wanted to mention. Uh, I will be putting a link uh, for the Send Love and Light to George uh, page if you are a listener that has been to the experience and want to leave him a message. Or if you just want to leave him a little short message, I guess, uh, April, uh, hey bear, uh, from Star Trek The Experience, uh, you know, she uh, started this page and I guess takes her laptop to George and shows him all of the little comments. So, uh it's on Facebook. It's called Send Love and Light to George. I'll put the link up on our Facebook page, and you'll be able to uh, leave a message there if you like. Indeed. And until next time, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And just Michael. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. So in the RPG, is like yeah. you're going to travel around to different places. We'll have to develop like what each place is, but I imagine there's going to be an, an ATM cupcake. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. That's is it going to be in jelly beans? That, that comes yeah. after the uh, go to China and eat bull penis. Oh uh, yeah. Maybe so Jelly Biglins is a mini boss, or oh. is he the boss? Oh, Biglins. Where would you put jelly in that? 
RPG. Uh, jelly, I, jelly I, be maybe the like the Decker Kane. Yes, yes. <laughs> Jelly's the one who pops in, gives you the little advice. Yeah, and, you know, he tells you if you're Today is what's going in your quest. Is brought to you by Jelly. Pops in and says, "Hey, kids." Stick your dick in your mouth. <laughs> and stay a while. 